Good morning and welcome to Bite Size. My name is Yoni Pollock, and I'll be your host every Wednesday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And would you look at that after uh, a seems like a forever time of constant bickering of politics, the United States of America will have a new president. No matter what side you are on, I think we all agree that we are uh, happy that this time of the season is now over. Everyone constantly complaining and yelling on Facebook, on Twitter, all over social media, on their blogs, all over the interwebs. It's over. There's a new president and there's nothing that could be done to change that. So here we are on Bite Size. We have a jam-packed episode this week. Joanna Shepson of FunInJerusalem.com will join us as she interviews Nicole Wexler, the Director of Development of the Jerusalem Biblical Zoo. That should be an exciting interview. Myself, Yoni Pollock, I will be interviewing a friend of mine, Yoni Levine. He ran the New York City Marathon just this past Sunday. So we'll get all his thoughts on his preparation and his mindset going into the marathon and how it went for him. We also have Tova Knecht of Tova in Israel. She interviewed Mordechai Holtz of itravelljerusalem.com. And uh, I'll introduce that more as we get closer to that. So three interviews this week, a jam-packed episode of Bite Size. And to start things off, we'll start with Shalshalas Jr.'s Thankful. That is off their number three album, also Thankful. You're tuned into Bite Sized right here on the Nachum Siegel Network.
تاکسی میخواد این اشکین اشوی رو الا می تاکسی میخواد الا الا سیم خوشم
אשר צר, והעיקר לא לפחד כלל, ומלמעלה הוא שומר, צר ואויב לא יתקרב, אך לאח ויד ביד, ישראל זה עם אחד, ומלמעלה הוא עוזר, שומר שומר ישראל.
Tikva off their 2012 The Year in Review CD. You're tuned into Bite Size right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And we have an interview by Joanna Shepson. Joanna is one of our contributors here at Bite Size. She is from funinjerusalem.com and she got in touch with Nicole Wexler, the Director of Development at the Jerusalem Biblical Zoo. For those of you that may have heard or may have not heard, the Biblical Zoo is uh, expanding. They have a aquarium that is opening up sometime in 2017, which you'll hear a lot about shortly. So Joanna got a uh, a private tour of the aquarium, and uh, it's located behind the zoo, right after the Noah Ark, Noah's Ark exhibit. So if you're familiar with the Biblical Zoo, which is one of the top tourist attractions in Israel, then you are probably familiar with what's going on. So here we go with Joanna's interview with Nicole Wexler, you're tuned into Bite Sized right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you, Yoni. I'm standing here right now in the incredible shark tank, the shark tunnel of the new Gottesman Family Israel Aquarium. Um, don't get too excited. It's not open yet. It's still under construction. But I'm with Nicole Wexler, who's the Director of Development at the Jerusalem Biblical Zoo. And she is giving us a private tour behind the scenes to see what they're creating here. And it's, it's unbelievable. Let me tell you, this is going to be one of the attractions that nobody misses when they come to Israel and especially Jerusalem. So let's get a little bit of the backstory from Nicole. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, yes. So the backstory to this aquarium is that in 2010, there was an international year of biodiversity around the world. Uh, instituted by the United Nations. And here in Israel, uh, the government compiled uh, the National Biodiversity Plan for Israel. And leading conservationists in the country, leading scientists, all agreed that the number one conservation issue facing Israel today is aquatic habitats, conservation uh, and preservation of aquatic habitats. And for this reason, uh, the aquarium is given priority as the next project for the, for the zoo. So most people who visit Israel, um, and especially have a chance to get down to Eilat, visit the underwater observatory there. And that's kind of been thought of as the aquarium in Israel. So how is this aquarium going to be different? 
So uh, the facility in Elat is a beautiful facility. It's an underwater observatory with some exhibits. And here in Jerusalem, uh, the idea is to have a centrally located aquarium that will educate and raise awareness about the issues facing aquatic conservation in Israel. So um, it's situated here in the capital city where people can more easily visit, it's more accessible, um, and it, is, it has been constructed with a specific plan in mind to educate specifically about all of our aquatic habitats. So what I found really interesting walking around with you is that the, the whole aquarium is basically divided into the different seas that you'll find or the different aquatic environments you'll find in Israel. So there was the Red Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, the Dead Sea, and the Kinneret, <laughs> the Sea of Galilee. That's right. And each section had its own type of fish and own ty- it had its own lesson and educational value. Um, one of the things that's been great about the zoo is that you run chugim and camps related to animals, so kids who love the zoo can come back here in the summer. Will you be doing that in the aquarium? Yes, we will. All of the education programs that are currently run at the zoo will be extended to the aquarium. Um, We'll include aspects of the aquarium. We will include the aquarium in existing programs as an extra, uh, more enriching experience for the participants. Um, and we're very excited. We, we can't wait to be able to share these messages with everybody. I'll tell you the other thing, the other bonus is there are some beautiful spots within the aquarium that can be used as party venues. Like my favorite is the area right outside the massive shark tank. So I can just see, especially a specific friend of mine out in L.A. who loves fish, to just be sitting around, having people sitting around tables at a bar mitzvah, just observing the sharks swimming in front of them. So tell me about some other parts of the other parts of the exhibit that you think are super kid friendly okay so we have a number of interactive areas within the facility one of them is a ray feeding pool uh, where we'll have small manta rays counters rays uh, that can be fed food will be purchased from a little stand on the side and the kids can feed the rays which is quite a, a nice experience for them um, uh, as, in fact, as you enter the aquarium outside, there are some koi ponds where kids will also be able to feed the koi fish, which are very colorful and beautiful. Um, another experience is that in various tanks, we have what we call pop-up windows and uh, tunnels into the tank, um, see-through tunnels and pop-up windows where kids can crawl in and have a photo op and appear to be swimming inside the tank with the fish, which is quite a fun thing to do. The truth is, for most people who've been to the zoo with their kids, the pop-up gopher exhibit is one of their favorites. So this is going to be just as exciting as that, and the kids can actually climb underneath the tank and watch the fish swim right past them. What can you tell us in terms of your expected opening date? When can people expect to visit the aquarium? Well, at this point, uh, we can't commit to a specific date yet. Uh, We have to run and test the complicated life support systems. Uh, But we are very much hoping to be able to open in mid-2017. So watch the space. (laughs) We'll let you know. And then there's always the ultimate question of who's funding this incredible project? Because this is not a simple, small little building or aquarium. This is a massive undertaking. That's absolutely right, and we were very fortunate to have funding from uh, the very generous Gottesman family of New York City, um, David and Ruth Gottesman Family Foundation, and we are uh, very privileged to have their support. They take a great interest in the project, 
Um, and, of course, their name will be on the project. We also have a number of other donors that contributed to the project. Uh, and we uh, have a gap uh, in the funding that was required. Fortunately, the zoo is an institution in good standing and was able to obtain a loan to cover that gap, but we are looking for the remaining funding. So if somebody wants the uh, grouper tunnel or the Red Sea exhibit to be named after them, that is an option still? Absolutely, yes. So for all of you aquarium and fish lovers out there, you know there's always an option to be part of the whole zoo experience. And what else can you tell us about the future? The zoo has been one of the, I think it's known as the best, most popular attraction in all of Israel. That's correct. Uh, on a year-to-year basis, the survey is done according to visitor numbers, and we're usually ranked as one of the top three uh, most visited sites in Israel, and those are sites where you have to pay an entrance fee. We're not talking about places like the Kotel, where it's obviously <laughs> free to attend. And... In terms of getting there, can we describe to people where the entrance to the aquarium is and how it connects to the zoo? Yes. So uh, from the zoo's main entrance, the parking, the road that runs through the parking is being extended and will just keep going until it reaches the aquarium entrance. There'll be parking all the way on both sides of that road. Uh, So you would be able to enter from the zoo's gate or from the aquarium entrance. And the two sites will be connected uh, both for walking visitors and by the existing zoo train, which will run all the way to the aquarium. Oh, the kids love the train, so that's great. (laughs) Yes, so um, you'd be able to buy a separate ticket for the zoo or for the aquarium or a combined ticket. Fantastic. What other future plans do the zoo have? Do you think that, can you see the zoo expanding in the next couple of years, even more than just this aquarium? Well, yes, we we try to add a new exhibit uh, each year, and we're usually assisted with that by our friends of the Zoo Association here in Israel. We have a wonderful group of supporters locally. We also have many uh, wonderful friends from the U.S. and other countries that uh, do provide funding and support for various education programs and exhibits here. Um, All of our development in terms of new exhibits, new programs, is reliant on donor funding. We don't receive any municipal government subsidies for operations. And uh, so uh, if if somebody would like to assist us in developing the zoo further, the option is always there. We have the land available. We have ideas for the future for things like night safaris or um, uh, even an educational uh, institution, a high school that is geared towards uh, young ecologists and uh, wildlife conservationists. Very exciting. Okay, well, I'm sure you agree with me that uh, we'd love to invite Yoni to come on a visit of the zoo when he comes with his family. Absolutely. You're more than welcome. I'd love to show you around. (laughs) All right. Thank you. And it was great walking around and getting a behind-the-scenes view. Thank you for visiting. (laughs) And now back to Yoni. Thank you, Joanna. That's probably an offer I might have to take both of you up on if if that means uh, checking out that aquarium. I don't know what you learned from that interview, but I'm pretty excited to check it out at some point. I am, uh, while I don't love necessarily aquariums, I've gone to the aquarium down down in home in Houston, which was, I guess, newer at the time. Now it's a few years in, but aquariums are pretty cool. They uh, definitely teach you more than probably what the average person knows about water life and the animals there. That shark tunnel sounds incredible. Um, but we, we thank Joanne and we thank Nicole Wexler for joining her on that interview. 
So something just about the aquarium. They plan to have exhibits representing the four seas in Israel, the Mediterranean, the Red Sea, the Dead Sea, and the Kinneret. Some of the coolest features will be the stingray feeding pool, the tunnel that will take you under the shark tank, and the tunnel for kids that allows them to pop up inside the grouper tank. I, for one, hope that I can be included in that kid part because popping up into a grouper tank sounds pretty cool and intense for me. So uh, if you all plan on traveling to Israel sometime in 2017 and have a day, you should check out both the zoo and the aquarium. As they said in the interview, you can either go to each of them separately or you can buy you could buy a combined ticket. Um, but definitely be on the lookout in funinjerusalem.com as Joanna will likely have a write-up on said interview and on the aquarium over the next few days or weeks. So uh, we'll shoot it back to music here. I figure something that's a little apropos for this past interview is we're going to go with Ari Goldwag's Shallow Waters on his Lushuasla Kivinu album. You're tuned into Bite Sized right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. at everyone else Why do you act so small What is the meaning of it all What is the purpose of it all Swimming in a creek Playing hide and seek With your soul What is the meaning of it all what is the purpose of it all? Shallow waters in the world today Throwing all the meaning of our lives away Shallow waters in the world today Throwing all the meaning of our lives away Shallow waters in the world today Throwing all the meaning of our lives away Shallow waters in the world today Throwing all the meaning of our lives away In your heart You want to live and be With sincerity But as long as you still hide that heart You're still swimming in You're still swimming in Shallow waters in the world today Throwing all the meaning of our lives away Shallow waters in the world today Throwing all the meaning of our lives away Shallow waters in the world today Throwing all the meaning of our lives away Shallow waters in the world today Throwing all the meaning of our lives away Everyone else, why do you act so small? What is the meaning of it all? 
Baby 
dwell Do I reach higher and my spirit yells We hear that bell, nation of Israel As we stumble we dare not fall In our desperation few heed our call But we truly know He will enter us The hatred of the past is returning with fire yet again burning The world is sleeping and the children are Yet again weeping Stand by us, stand with us Let freedom sweep across the land While our hearts remain humble Let our foes tumble Off of the Ut Ut album with the Miami Boys Choir and your Chmiel Begun. You're tuned into Bite Size here on the Nachum Seal Network, and I figured that was a, a good song to lead into my next interview here with a good friend of mine, a uh, 
a Jets fan, a Mets fan, a Knicks fan. So I figured he will answer us. I believe all of those work perfectly for such a fan. Here we are with Yoni Levine, a good friend of mine. Uh, Yoni actually joined me on air. We were co-hosts on WYUR's Yoni and Yoni in the Night, a very uh, a perfect name, I think, for our show, would you say, Yoni? Uh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, we uh, we had a sports show every, what was it, Sunday night? Yeah. Sunday night at about, was it 10 to 11? Man, I'm, I'm blanking. But I think 10 to 11, we had Yoni and Yoni in the Night on WYUR, that's Yeshiva University's radio station, Talk Sports was able to make fun of him as a sports fan, a long-suffering sports fan. Though then again, I am one of those myself as a Houston fan, so it was all in good fun, right? Yeah, we're in the same boat of suffering. We're in the same boat of suffering. Indeed, speaking of suffering, at least in, in my on my end, this would be suffering. You ran the marathon this past Sunday, the New York City Marathon, one of the is it? I mean, it's definitely not the longest marathon in the world. It's the same as any other marathon, but uh, it's probably the most popular one. Would you say? Yeah, definitely. There's close. To, uh, there's a little bit over fifty thousand finishers every year. Or of later lately, it's been pretty crazy. All right. Yeah, I don't want to take away from you that there were fifty thousand finishers. I mean, it's still <laughs> a spectacular uh, feat on your end. Um, but tell me, how did you get involved in, in running the marathon? How many marathons have you run? Like. Like, how'd you, why'd you want to even start running the marathon? Um, well, my dad's been running for like his entire life and got me into it. But uh, really, uh, my older brother started running when he was studying in Israel. Um, and he ran a couple marathons as well. And just out of the sheer competition of brothers, you know, I need to beat his time. Um, so that's what really motivated me into doing it. And. Then as soon as I beat his time, my first time running a marathon, I'm like, this was pretty fun. Why not uh, keep going at it? And I've done it each of the last four years now and loved it every time. Oh, wow. And your dad, how many has he run? My dad on Sunday completed his 14th. Wow. Very, very impressive. So how long before the marathon do you even start training? Usually uh, August, early to mid-August, I started uh start getting into gear of trying to get those miles up, making sure to eat right. Um, and you, what, three months, three and a half months will give you some good time to get into good shape and uh, have a good time. Throughout those three months, are you, every, are you ever running the equivalent of a marathon? Are you ever running 26, what is it, 26 miles at a time? Or are you usually going no, 10 to no, 15? Never. The, the longest training run I did uh, this year was 19 miles, and in years past, it's only been 18. Okay, and where do you do those runs? Uh, usually, I go on to the West Side Highway. I start in Washington Heights and sometimes get all the way down to Midtown, um, and then just turn back and go back. Like this year, I got down to the Intrepid, which is on like 34th right. and 12th, and just I'm like, oh, hey there, Mr. Cool Aircraft Carrier. Uh <laughs> Got to that, and then turned back and did the last like eight, nine miles back to the heights. Right, I've actually biked that uh, that same path. It's really beautiful uh, if you get it on a nice day or along the water. There's also some like underrated spots of like just tennis courts and basketball courts where people could go have fun in the city where you would think that there's really no such thing other than Central Park. There are actually nice areas around that route. Um, what happens while you're running? What are you thinking about? Are you listening to music? Uh, always listening to music, uh, and I, I just think about, uh, no, I don't know, I can't 
like uh, your mind's just racing. Exactly what I think about. Right, right. It's just it's a. Uh, would you say it's therapeutic for you? You just you're able to. Yeah, think about very everything. much so. It's just it's just me, myself, and I in my head for hours at a time. Right. So, what's that playlist like? Is it Jewish music? Is it just pump up music? Uh, a little bit of both. I got a couple Jewish songs in there. Um, I said my lock is a good one. Right. I have that song on like my playlist like three different times, so it could pop up three times. <laughs> um, and mostly pump up music, quick pace music, uh, things that like keep it, keep you motivated and and moving quickly. Right. Okay. So let me let's talk about the week before the race. Um, the race was this past Sunday. So the Sunday before, like, what happens during? Are you still training for the run? Are you, uh, what foods are you eating? Like those type of things. The week before, uh, you really, most people will like tone down their miles. I only ran three times the week before where on a normal training week, I'd be running four or five times and come like Friday, Thursday or Friday, I'll start like making sure to be drinking a lot of water and eating a lot of carbs. Okay. So, uh, pasta is, is your go-to. Yeah. You say? Pasta, pasta, potatoes, oatmeal, bread, so, All the stuff that the diet people tell you to stay away from, I get to eat uh, <laughs> guilt-free. Right. Does does the Shabbos happening right before the marathon, does that help or hurt you in any way? Well, that helps because usually there's good food around, so I'll stay away from the chillant, but there's usually a lot of potatoes, and uh, my dad made some pesto, some pasta pesto stuff, so I had the, I had the carbs going there. Okay, and the night before you run, uh, I'm, I'm sure you have to get a good night's sleep. I, I assume that hour extra certainly helped you and all the other runners what what happened the 24 hours before the race um basically from like thursday through sunday morning it's more or less the same of drinking a lot of water eating a lot of carbs only really healthy foods stretching a little bit um and just get exciting i don't know Okay, but like, do you do you go to bed early Saturday night, Sunday uh, morning? Saturday What's your night, feeling? I was in bed by like probably by midnight, uh, and I had I got I had to wake up at eight, so it's really a nine hour sleep because you got the extra hour there. Um, and I got to the race at uh, about nine forty five, and my I got off at at eleven. So plenty of time when I got there to stretch, eat some more, drink some more. Um, and get, like, mentally prepared for the race. Right. So how was the race? Were you happy with what you accomplished? I mean, obviously, uh, finishing the race itself is an accomplishment, but uh, were you overall yeah. happy with what happened on Sunday? I was happy to finish, but I was a little disappointed in my time. I was hoping to uh, break my own personal record, uh, but unfortunately I didn't. Uh, I cramped up at, a, at around mile 21, so the last five miles were kind of brutal for me, stopping and starting between running and walking. Um, so I didn't really, uh, go at the pace I was hoping to, uh, but I'm happy to finish. Cramping at mile 21 is about 22 miles ahead of where I would have cramped. So, um, (laughs) you know, that's impressive enough for me. So today's Wednesday. Uh, would you say your body's fully recovered? Like, how are you feeling right now? Um, everything's fine for the most part, except going downstairs is painful. Like going upstairs is fine, but downstairs, like the, the pressure, the extra pressure and weight put on my quads really is what hurts but other than that i'm i'm pretty good i wouldn't go for a run but other than walking around is is okay right are you are do you plan on doing any other marathons do you plan on running the new york city marathon again next year i don't know it's hard to get in you either have to get in through 
their lottery or through fundraising. And uh, this year I got I was fundraising for one family fund. Uh, so that requires a lot of effort. Uh, I just don't know if I can keep fundraising uh, year after year. I've done it now three times. So uh, that just takes a toll, and it's hard to keep asking the same people for money. Um, and getting through the lottery is only like an 18% chance of winning. So if I get in, I'll do it. Uh, but if I don't get in through the lottery, I, I don't think uh, I'll be getting to five years in a row. All right. Well, I guess uh, time will tell on that one. Well, Yoni, thank you very much for, for joining me here on air. One more thing before, uh, before you go. I, I'd like to think of it as one of the hottest sports takes of all time, almost like a Skip Bayless-level take. I think you... Um, on our show on Yoni and Yoni in the Night, one one episode, I don't know what, what got into your head, you decided to, to make a, a strong statement saying that Mark Sanchez was a better quarterback than Joe Flacco. Is that something that you want to take back at this point? You're on air right now. You have an audience. Do you want to take it back? Do you still believe uh, that that statement holds true? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. So you're taking it back. Absolutely. Long time ago. <laughs> Long time ago. All right. Jets make the playoffs, yes or no? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. There you go. Yoni Levine, thank you very much for joining me here on Bite Size. So here we go with Hakolatova, a song off of David Gabe's Hakolatova album. You're tuned into Bite Size right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. <laughs> כל כל מה שנותן הקדוש ברוך הוא הכל מתנה כל כל מה שקורה אנחנו מקבלים באמונה כל כל מה שעובר אנחנו מברכים על טוב ועל רע כל כל מה דאבין רחמנה לטב אביד
אנחנו מקבלים באמונה כל כל מה שעובר אנחנו מברכים על טוב
מן השמיים, השקיפה, השקיפה, אימון קודשך מן השמיים, וברך את עמך, את ישראל, ואת האדמה. השקיפה שנשבעת לנו השקיפה, כשר לשמרתנו השקיפה. ארץ זבתך עמוד ממש, השקיפה ממון קודשך מן השמיים, השקיפה. And that was Barry Weber's Hashkif off of his new album, Aguda Achas, One Heart. Barry has been promoting his new album all over social media over the last few weeks, over the last month. He was on JM and the AM with Nachum Siegel the other week. So you could check out that interview on our archives at NachumSiegel.com. But here on Bite Size... We have the privilege of having Tova Knecht again. She interviewed Tamir Goodman last week. She's back again this time interviewing Mordechai Holtz of itraveljerusalem.com. So let's hear what they have to say right here on Bite Size on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you, Yoni. I'm sitting here with Mordechai Holtz of Blue Thread. Mordechai, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, so I'm sitting with you here on the top of the post office on Yafo. Jaffo. Right. Uh, near Kikar Safra, just to give you a little background as to where we're sitting. Can you tell us a little bit just about, before I get into who you are, just where we are? Sure. So we're sitting at actually at the top of the Post Hostel. Uh, it's one of the newest uh, hotels, hostels that are opened up in Jerusalem within the last couple of years. Uh, it's taken, it took over uh, several floors of the, the main post office in Jerusalem on Jaffa Street. It's an historical building. And the person who founded it well, yeah, he came up with this idea after hearing from the mayor about new initiatives and goals to bring new tourists to Jerusalem. So this opportunity presented itself, and he decided to take this place and turn it into a completely branded around the post office feel with uh, mailbags as chairs, and the rooms all look like um, messengers and things like that. It's a really cool vibe. Um, it brings a lot of great low-cost or looking for people, people who are looking for like a low-cost or more budget-related kind of experience. Yeah, um, when I walked in here, I said, oh my goodness, I need to come back here and have a drink with some friends. Yeah, it's a great looks, place. They have a incredible. lot of startup events have been taking place here. There are a lot of evening pro- uh, you know, programs, uh, activities that go on here. And so the, view, the view doesn't hurt, you know, as no, we're looking at, hurt, right. Right. <laughs> looking at it. Looking at we have an amazing view over here. Okay, so just give me a little intro into sure. who you are, what brings, you know, when you came to Israel, things, sure. you know. Um, so... As you said, um, I work, I am the founder of Blue Thread Marketing, which is a digital agency, digital marketing agency uh, that was founded two years ago, uh, that we work with brands around the world. 
uh, from anywhere from the startup to the city of Jerusalem, which kind of brings us to here, um, as well as part of my responsibility or the major uh, responsibilities to work with the city of Jerusalem's tourism division and manage their digital anything online, whether it's uh, the social, the content, uh, campaigns and everything like that. Uh, we were, I work directly with uh, what the brand is called is I Travel Jerusalem. Um, and that their goal is to bring new events and new anything and promote it on digital. So let's tell the audience how we met. <laughs> oh, right. So, I mean, speaking of digital and social, uh, we, sp actually, we actually met on social, uh, I believe it was like about a, a year ago or half a year ago, talking yeah. about, you know, kind of talking about Jerusalem. You had just made Aliyah um, and looking for opportunities. And we kind of, um, you know, met there and I, you know, gave it, invited you to some of the events, cultural events that go on in Jerusalem to kind of write about it and cover it. Uh, I think the first one we talked, what we were at we was the Light Festival. The Light Festival. The Light Festival, oh, which goes on in June. That was amazing. Um, yeah, that had about 100,000, 200,000 people there. Um, and you so, felt it. <laughs> yeah, you, you felt you it. You felt that it while you were walking through. For sure. Making your way through. And then, uh, then recently we just went to the. the, the it was, <laughs> was called, oh yeah, it was called the Sacred Music Festival. The in music Hebrew, festival. Right, in Hebrew it was called Mikudeshet, and in English it's called Mikudeshet as well, but it's called the Sacred Music Festival. Kind of redefining what is sacred, bringing people from all over, the, you know, bringing musicians from all over the world, all over faiths, all over different cultures. I think the one that you went to was um, from Kenya or something like that. Um, speak and it kind of did it under looking, overlooking the old city. I was um, in the King David Citadel. Right, uh, so no, David Robinson's arch there in that area, right? It's not wasn't the David Siddell itself, but whatever it was, the idea was to bring like you know African beat, uh, overlooking the old city, overlooking like the walls of the old city, which kind of tells its own story and give it its own vibe. So that's kind of like, I mean, if I had to say more kind of uh, generally, it's really what we're trying to do is kind of say the old city or the city of Jerusalem, which most people affiliate with kind of like history, which it does have, is also really kind of regentrifying itself and moving towards a strong cultural scene. Also making it more modern and, yeah, and exactly. just for, you know, young, I know the young uh, kids and teenagers, it's just, you know, generating a lot of traffic through the old city. Right. So those were amazing festivals that uh, we covered in the past. Uh, let's talk about some of the upcoming festivals that, sure. you know, people are talking about now. Okay. So in the month of November, at the end of November, there's a great program, you know, com an initiative that's coming in to Jerusalem. It's called Open Restaurants. It was very successful in Tel Aviv. It basically takes um, the restaurants, the, bi the big restaurants and the big chefs of the city and opens the doors for workshops, private workshops that people have to, you know, it's entrance you have to pay for to get a, a kind of one-on-one -on -one feeling and workshop with these chefs and learn their styles of food. There's also going to be like TED Talk style of about food and technology of food. There's also going to be a major hackathon. Uh, which around food, not like you know, creating and cooking food, but more about technology around food, whether it's applications for food-related tours or things like that. And there's also going to be some other events around the restaurant theme because Jerusalem does have that amazing food. Um, it has a it has the chefs. It has that er you know the international flavors. What's your favorite food that uh, so I have that you eat here? I have three places that are like my go-to places on the like the more. We'll call it like the, um, you know, kind of day-to-day. -day. I'm, uh, I'm a sucker for the uh, Bandora, which is like a 
it's the shawarma place. It's on Yafo. There's a couple of places oh, around. Oh, I haven't Houston. tried that one yet. Um, it's basically turning shawarma instead of the the vertical layout of shawarma. It's actually horizontal. Oh, uh, <laughs> so it's um, is that it's very messy? No, no. In other words, the the spit itself, the, the shawarma spit, is not vertical. It's uh -huh. actually horizontal, and it changes the way the, the cooking style is, and the, oh. the food itself is really delicious. Okay. That's more like you know if you wanted to kind of we'll call it street food. Okay. Um, I also like the fish and chips restaurant in, in the Shook, which is great. They have a, a, amazing, you know, more for the less meat place. Yeah, um, I, I've heard about it, but I haven't uh, had a chance to try it out yet. There's Pepito's, which is a new uh, Latin American place founded by two amazing olim from, uh, I want to say, somewhere, um, I want to say Colombia. Uh, okay. They brought the whole idea, the concept of street food, uh, Colombian and you know South American street food to Jerusalem. They just opened very recently. Um, my one of my favorite places in all of Israel, or all of Jerusalem, really, is the Beer Bazaar. They have amazing food, great customer service, amazing 100 craft brews all made in Israel, um, and they just know their stuff really well. So it's great to hear. First of all, they speak English beautifully. Second of all, the food's delicious and very good prices. And third of all, they are really knowledgeable about beer, which is great. Um, if I like that, if I like beer, it might be something that I tell you yeah, to. They actually, have, they have, actually have non-beer alcoholic stuff as well. Right. And then that's like the mid-level kind of pricing, and the higher level. I like, there's Medita, there's. Um, wow, you're the guy to know. Yeah. You know. For restaurants, definitely. <laughs> I know. I probably I don't necessarily talk about it all the time, but I definitely feel like uh, comfortable about knowing all the food. Uh, in Jerusalem, there's you know a new restaurant on the rooftop of a new hotel, the Herbert Samuel. That's supposed to be amazing. I haven't tried it yet. Is that the, on top of the Imbal, I think? No, the one actually in the center of town. There's a an old building that used to be. Now there's a bank there in the center of Kikar uh -huh. There used to be. There's a bank on one side, and the other side there used to be a rundown hotel. Uh, a, a luxury uh, chain took it over and turned it into like a boutique hotel with a 360-degree rooftop view of Jerusalem. It's one of the highest buildings in the center of town. It Why didn't we do the interview there? Uh, well, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't actually got into the hotel yet besides the lobby, which is not m amazing to, you know, amusing views. And I haven't, okay. been, I haven't gotten yet to the food, so I didn't want to... You're forgiven. This, <laughs> is, <laughs> this yeah. is a nice place also. Yeah. Um, tell me about the bloggers. Um, yeah. So one of the things... Yeah, yeah, so one of the things that we're trying to do, as I mentioned, uh, Jerusalem is always looking uh, ahead towards, you know, changing the, the way people perceive Jerusalem. Um, and also what's going on in the media, or let's say what the media necessarily portrays in Jerusalem. So one of the things that we've been doing for a while is you know, bringing bloggers and bringing journalists to Jerusalem around different events that go on. Um, and about in July of this year, we, were, we successfully uh, secured the bid to bring the largest travel bloggers conference, it's called TBEX, uh, to Jerusalem this March 2017. It will basically bring between 650 to 800 travel bloggers um, around uh, for a, a, bit, a week of events, a classic conference, plus they are required to explore the city around tours that we're kind of creating for them, as well as things that they can do that by themselves. So you'll have the classic conference plus tours. What a fabulous way to, yeah. you know, just highlight Israel. Exactly. Israel, Jerusalem was the main focus, but a part of it after the t actual conference, 50 uh, bloggers who are selected and have to kind of uh, submit their application will be also invited to come to explore not only Jerusalem but also the rest of Israel, Dead Sea, Masada, the classic places, but again to write positive content and write positive tourism content around Jerusalem and Israel. Wow. Um, so talking about Israel, mm -hmm. what's your background sure. in uh, moving to Israel, living in Israel, where you live in Israel? Sure. Um, so I, grew, I was born and raised in New York. 
Uh, grew up in Queens, and every summer of my life, not, I, haven't, I don't think I missed one ever for 23 years. I, grew, I came every summer with my family to Israel. Uh, we stayed in Jerusalem, went to camp here, uh, very close friends here. Uh, so we have, so I know the scene in Jerusalem a lot, and I've seen many things develop in the city, as well as explored a lot of Israel because we went to camp here. Uh, made Aliyah 13 years ago. Uh, we live now in Gush Etzion with the family, with my family, and... Um, How does Gush Etzion compare to life in Israel? Well, Gush Etzion is a different kind of, not everyone, uh, well, I suppose like this way. Start, <laughs> I'll start, I'll take a step back. Okay. Gush Etzion is definitely a unique place because of its, you know, it has a strong, now it has a much more stronger Anglo uh, kind of concentration of people. The Aliyahs, the Aliyah of 2003, like the, went to 2003, 2004, and five. There was a huge influx of, of Olim from North America. Obviously, Nefesh Benefesh was involved in that. And that kind Shout of. Shout out to Nefesh Benefesh. Right. So that was involved. Uh, very strongly, uh, strongly influenced it. And because of the price and the proximity to Jerusalem, Gush Etzion really became like a, a, an interest and a high uh, place for these Olim to come to. Um, after that, Jerusalem, I mean, because of its proximity both to. Jerusalem and also close to Beit Shemesh and close to not that far away from the train in Beit Shemesh and you could do Tel Aviv in about an hour so you have you have your it's very concentrated in terms of its place to to be it's centrally located but at the same time you get that you know the homes are larger in terms of the size of the homes but also you have the community feeling which is great um, and the price for value we'll call it that is definitely competitive in, in the in the I guess, the real estate component. So if there are people listening that are interested in moving to Israel, mm -hmm. would you tell them, move to Gush Etzion, but make sure you come to Jerusalem for all the touristy events? Yes, yeah, so that, you know, that's what I do. So uh, I think Jerusalem is the, you know, Jerusalem is, there's something special about Jerusalem, no questions asked. In Israel in general, there's a lot of other cities that are great. Everyone has their own interest levels and needs. So those things have to be considered, and those are more important, I think before you consider a city in terms of proximity to a location of, of where you're going to live. Right. But at the same time, I think, you know, Gush Etzion definitely has something for every cross-section of people. But at the same time, some people feel like the, the, the feel of a, and vibe of a city, whether it's Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, Beit Shemesh, whatever it is, or Modin, which is not so far away either. So you have that, that need, and it's based on your need and your, what you're looking for. Amazing. So... I just wish you, you know, tons of success. But before I end off, um, I wanted to ask you one question: What, if you could think of any place in Israel, what is your happy place in Israel? So I have actually two. Um, ironically, my house is one of them, but it's not. But, but I'm gonna put that as. as put, I'm sure as, your wife is going right. to be very happy to hear that. Aside yeah. from my, aside from my own home, I happen to have two places that I really love in Israel. One of them is Mitzvah Ramon. Um, it's beautiful, the Ramon Crater. Um, I just love it because of its. It's really peaceful. It's one of these places that, in the middle of the desert, you're driving down from the Dead Sea towards a lot, and you're just all of a sudden you find a city that's, you know, small, quaint, and has everything, um, and has a beautiful nature and everything. And when you see, you know, these the animal that's called an ibex, it kind of looks like a like a desert kind of deer ram kind of thing, mm -hmm. just running around the streets of the city. It's really fun, um, at least for some people. Um, and then the other place I like is actually in the north. I, the entire north, I really like. There's, you know, Kfargiladi and that whole area of the Upper Galilee is beautiful. Around the Kinneret is just my, you know, those areas are my favorite. Um, those for me. Amazing. Well, thank you for meeting me here and uh, taking the time to talk about Jerusalem. No problem. Thank you. Back to you, Yoni. Thank you, Tova, and thank you, Mordechai Holtz of itravelJerusalem.com. Again, if you don't 
for some strange reason, know who Tova Knecht is. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She has lived in New Jersey all of her life, but then decided to move to Jerusalem. She has this blog, tovainisrael.com, and it describes and highlights all of Israel's positivities, featuring everyday life in a new country, the Jewish homeland. She has stories from the Shuk, Egged bus drivers, everything and anything. You can find it on her blog, tovainisrael.com, or on Facebook, Tova and Israel. She's on Instagram, Tova and Israel, and also... You could check her out on Snapchat, Tova Knecht, Tova, K-N-E-C-H-T. So again, we thank Tova for contributing again to this week's Bite Size. And we look forward to everything in the coming weeks and months that Tova has to provide for us. So now I'm going to shoot it over again to some music. Four to the Door will come on at around 10.50 as usual. This week's Four to the Door is top four dining spots in Jerusalem Again, that'll be between me and Jamie Turkel. So uh, that should be an exciting four to the door coming up again at 10.50. But for now, back to some music with Lipa's Nodel Lashimcha. You're tuned into Bite Sized right here on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Hashem Melech off of Days of New, the Y-Studs album that came out, I want to say, last year or, or two years ago. But uh, a good group of guys. I know a few of them personally. 
And I think they were in, I want to say, Germany over the last few days, over the last week, doing a few shows, a concert there. Which reminds me that we as a network, the Nachum Siegel Network, will be heading to Venice. We'll be doing two shows, November 20th and 21st. That'll be a jam in the AM. Audio and video presentations of the Venice trip will be available at NachumSiegel.com or the Anison app. So mark it on your calendars and get ready to tune in for those two days of broadcast from Venice. I know I'm excited. Everyone here, the excitement level in this studio is, uh, you can feel it. Uh, you know, traveling for work, while sometimes could be somewhat frustrating and tiring, but uh, I know I speak for a lot of people at the network that we're all excited to head on a plane overseas to go to Venice and check it out, the Jewish community over there, and uh, it'll definitely be an exciting time for the network, and I hope all of you, all of our listeners, will tune in for those broadcasts. But before we go and wrap up this show, we have to do everyone's favorite segment, the the, the segment that probably I want to say that most listeners that are still tuned in, the reason that they're still tuned in is because they're waiting for the segment of Four to the Door. This is how it works. Each week, myself and Jamie Turkel, the assistant programming director and social media coordinator here at the Nachum Siegel Network, we put together our favorite top four blank. Usually it has something to do with the show, something that's mentioned on the show, some sort of theme uh, that we try to keep related to the show. And this week... We are going to do top four dining spots in Israel. We had Mordechai Holtz on. He was talking a bit about his favorite eating spots. So I figured that got me in the mood of eating. That got me in the mood of thinking of where I loved to eat in Israel. So we're this week we're going to do top four, four to the door, top four eating spots. And uh, as usual, I want to hear your feedback. Last week we did top four fruit. And uh, we had a few emails come in. Listener Ira said, he was he just said mango. That was it. And I assume that means he was a little upset that mango somehow didn't make it into the top four. And if I remember correctly, I don't even know if I even mentioned mango in the honorable mentions, which uh, I feel bad about myself. Ashamnu, Vaganu. That was something that I shouldn't have done. Mango, while not in my top four, uh, certainly deserves to be in a... Honorable mention list. So, uh, listener Ira, thank you. I know listener Frady, something that we posted actually on our Facebook that uh, that day. Listener Frady had a little cute, uh, she had a cute, uh, I don't know what the word is. She got a little cute on us. Here it is. My four to the door last week, for those of you that don't remember, for top four fruit, I had the uh, number four was pear, number three was peach, number two was strawberry, and number one was pineapple. And this is what she had to say. She actually tied it in nicely to the election. So, uh, again, you can check it out on our Facebook page, what she said. But she also wrote, this is what she wrote. She said, it seems to be that you are getting your favorite fruit inspirations from the news. It appears, so that's a play on pear, it appears that impeachment, that's a play on peach, it appears that impeachment is in the works. For a certain someone, the latest news about Hillary is just the strawberry, again, so straw, a little play on strawberry, that broke the camel's back. And the pineapple, those leaves, definitely the Donald Trump in the fruit world. So uh, however you voted and however you are either excited or mad about yesterday's election and the new president of the United States, I thought that was still cute. Regardless, I try to leave politics in general out of my show, but obviously with the election yesterday, it's kind of hard to do. But anyway, thank you, listener Frady. And again, if you always, if you have any comments, if you have any suggestions, if you have any critiques, whether it's on the show or top four, 
or the door lists. You could email me at yoni at nachlumsegel.com, Y-O-N-I at nachlumsegel.com. I know I'm always looking for if it's better suggestions, if it's better ways to improve the show, if it's just a comment on the four to the door, I'm always looking to hear feedback. So again, yoni at nachlumsegel.com, Y-O-N-I at nachlumsegel.com. But enough of that. Let's get to this week's four to the door, top four Israel dining spots. And uh, when I told Jamie about it, I said, listen, Jamie, <clears throat> I said, I don't really want to include, like, if, if you're going to go get an iced coffee from, let's say, Kafix, because I happen to love that place. It's not a dining spot. It's just a little snack area if you're going to get a little snack from this bakery. I don't want to include those, you know. Obviously, Marzipan, you're not going to get anything better than those. Rogalach, but but I'm looking for dining spots. I'm looking where you're going to go out for lunch, where you're going to go out for dinner. You're going to get yourself some nice grub. Um, so we had to take out those those little breakfast spots, if you will. But number one, no, no, excuse me, number four, because we always go four to one on top four, four to the door, top four Israel dining spots for Jamie. Number four is Beit Ticho. Um, it's actually a place that some of my friends, when I was in Israel, talked about. I never went there, but uh, I heard good things. Number three, and I know uh, if we included ZK, one of our engineers here at the Nachum Single Network, he would have this at number one. But number three on Jamie's list is Moshiko's. Um, I don't know if she has a favorite. Jamie, do you have a favorite location or a favorite? Not just Moshiko's in general. So Moshiko's at number three. Number two is Waffle Bar. And uh, I actually have to admit, while it wasn't as high on my list, Waffle Bar is definitely a fantastic choice. And number one on Jamie's top four, four to the door, top four dining spots. Number one is Burgers Bar. So again, four to one, Beit Ticho, Moshiko's Waffle Bar, Burgers Bar. That is Jamie's top four, four to the door, top four dining spots. And now here, Yoni Pollock, myself's top four, four to the door, top four dining spots. Number four is Waffle Bar. I consider myself not such a uh, a big, you know, waffle type of guy, but Waffle Bar is just such a fantastic place. I love it. You get a little ice cream on top. All the fixins. Waffle Bar is a great place. Number three is Rosa's. Uh, I frequent the place Rosa's. There's their steak sandwich. One of my go-tos uh, in... What's that place? Sheesh, it's all of a sudden blanking. What's that street called? Uh, wow, I, I can't believe I'm blanking on this. Jamie, what's that street called? Where where uh, all the restaurants are. And... Amec, there we go. Jamie for the win. Amic Rafaim, that's where you could find roses. Number two on my list is, I, see, I don't even know if it exists. I actually, I, again, I told Jamie, besides for the breakfast part, we're also going to do places that don't necessarily uh, exist anymore. We both were in Israel for our year in Israel five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was. So it's not necessarily a guarantee that all these places still exist. But uh, number two on my list is Mervadak Samim. Uh I love that place. I'm I'm a big bang for your buck type of guy, which you'll see again with number one. But Mervadak Samim had some of the greatest Shabbos food you could always order out for Shabbos. So their sweet chili sweet potatoes were unbelievable. Literally every time I went there, I got them and then some sort of other main food. But Mervadak Samim, number two and number one on my list. And this will really only mean something to you. I'm I'm sorry if it's a little inside, um, a little inside for for Torah Shraga folks. Anyone that went to Yeshiva Torah Shraga or really lived in Baivigan or Givat Mordechai, that area, or went to Machun Lev, they would know of this place. But number one on my list is the, the is it a restaurant? It's, it's, it's where I got lunch often and, and 
where a lot of my friends got lunch and dinner pretty much every day if the food wasn't up to par for that day. But number one is the Machon Lev uh, restaurant. I know I went there. I'm, I, I kid you not, it is the biggest lafa I've ever had in my life. First of all, I got a chazayof lafa, which is chicken, in this huge lafa. They packed it in. So like a lot of these times, the lafas these days are like the size of a water bottle, um, which isn't necessarily a knock. That's just how it is. Um, but this, I'm telling you, it was ginormous. I, I'm trying to think what it what it looks like. Actually, we have a we have a thing of rice cakes here. So rice cakes are a a, a pretty solid and you know what is it? A proud six inches, five inches in uh, the circle is about. So I want to say the lafa was pretty much that size. It was huge. So imagine a huge lafa stuffed with all the chicken you could eat, smothered in sweet chili sauce. And it was literally 16 and a half shekel, four bucks, five bucks. It, it was insane how cheap it was, how good it was. It explained why I weighed so much after Israel. But hey, you have plenty of years after to work that off. So four to the door, top four Israel spots for me. Number four was Waffle Bar. Number three was Rosa's. Number two was Mervadak Samim. And number one was the Smachon Lev restaurant. So uh, again, if you have any comments, suggestions, Critiques, whatever it is, feedback, yoni at nachumsegel.com, Y-O-N-I at nachumsegel.com. So that'll do it for this week's episode. I mentioned in the following weeks we'll be headed to Venice. So again, nachumsegel.com, November 20th and 21st. Check us out and on the NSN app. But thank you for spending your last two hours here with me on the Nachum Siegel Network. We'd like to thank Joanna Shepson and her guest, for joining us. We'd like to thank Yoni Levine, a friend of mine, for telling us all he had, his experience, how he prepared physically and mentally for the New York City Marathon that took place just this past week. And thank you to Tova Knecht of tovanisrael.com. Thank you to all of those for contributing here on Bite Size. I'd like to remind you that you could check us out on Facebook at Nachum Siegel Network, on Twitter at Nachum Siegel Net, and on Instagram, Nachum Siegel Network. If you haven't yet downloaded the NSN app, What are you waiting for? You can head over to the App Store or the Google Play Store, depending on the smartphone you have, and install the free NSN app on your smartphone and get all of our content while on the run. So thank you again all for tuning in here to Bite Size on the Nachum Seal Network. My name is Yoni Pollock, wishing you all a good day and reminding you that the Bite Size is the right size.